Ultrasound Gel Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Ultrasound Gel Podcast. I'm Mike Pratt, and today I'm joined by my good friend Jacob Avila. Jacob, how are you today, friend? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you? I'm awesome as well. And today we're discussing a paper titled Point of Care Ultrasound Predictors for the Diagnosis of Tuberculosis in HIV Positive Patients Presenting to an Emergency Center. This is about the FASH exam. This was published in the Journal of Acquired Immunodeficiency Syndrome, 2020 January, a journal also referred to as JADES. That's crazy because like I just... Um, was talking one of my uh, co-attendings here in Lexington. She's actually in Peru doing a tropical medicine course. And she's been like talking to me back and forth about this FASH exam. So I'm super stoked that we get to talk about it. Full disclosure, I'd never heard of this article before, but I think that's just because this is not something that I typically like diagnose in my emergency department. But I think very important to know, um, even in the States, but especially if you happen to be practicing tropical medicine. Definitely. And just for anyone else who has not heard of this, it's not that we're saying the FAST exam. It's a FASH exam, F-A-S-H. And that stands for Focused Assessment with Sonography for HIV-Related Tuberculosis. So this is a protocol that was actually designed to find signs of TB in patients that have HIV. So, of course, it's used commonly in areas of the world where there's a very high prevalence of HIV and TB. So, the idea here is that you can use ultrasound to help you find and expedite your treatment for TB. And it's especially useful because often the areas where there's high prevalence of HIV are areas where you may not have access to CT imaging or further advanced diagnostic testing. So this can actually be really helpful. And it's really nice to see a study that examines exactly how helpful it is. So Jacob, what were they looking at in this study? What were they trying to test? So what they were looking for is they were doing this FASH examination. There's actually kind of different levels of the FASH examination. There's like a basic level uh, or a basic, I guess, examination um, where they are looking for the presence or absence of pericardial effusion, ascites, or pleural effusion. Then there's like a like FASH add-on that's called the FASH plus. And so they look at those things and they add the assessment of abdominal lymph nodes, focal hypochoic splenic lesions or focal hypochoic liver lesions. So um, maybe little like masses in the liver and the spleen. And then this study, they also evaluated what they called a FASH combined or just the FASH protocol. And they deemed that positive if just like any feature of the FASH basic or if the FASH plus was present. Now, as far as their actual patients uh, that they enrolled, um, they enrolled, and this was a single center study in Cape Town, South Africa. They have pretty impressive numbers here. I mean, I have to be honest, like TB is not something that I'm primarily diagnosing with any kind of frequency where I live, but this hospital in Cape Town, Africa has an HIV prevalence of 27%. That's crazy. They have a 27% prevalence of HIV there. That's bad. Yeah. And then their annual tuberculosis notification rate is 917 per 100,000 persons. So if you're going to do 
a study on the fascia examination, this sounds like a great hospital to do this. Now, what they did here is they screened consecutive patients over the course of a little over a year. And what they looked for is HIV positive adults, so greater than 18 years of old, that presented with any of the WHO, the World Health Organization, tuberculosis symptoms. So that's cough of any duration, fever, drenching night sweats. So not like, you know, mildly damp, I guess, night sweats. That has to be drenching night sweats or weight loss. These patients were deemed suspicious of having TB and were uh, evaluated for inclusion. They had some exclusion criteria um, that I'll mention here. They had, they were excluded if they had any kind of anti-TB treatment within the last three months, pregnancy, if they had presented to another ER or their ER uh, greater than 24 hours before being screened, they had their main clinical presentation of meningitis syndrome or new focal neurology or patients presenting with primary trauma, gynecological, or psychiatric conditions. So they had a reference standard that they talked about for their diagnosis of TB. And I'm going to be honest, Mike, they talk about a lot of stuff here that I really have no idea if this is good or not. But they talk about it. They did a lot of collections. They did some follow-up studies. And it seems like to rule in and rule out TB with their gold standard was actually pretty good based off of what they wrote in their um, method section. Yeah, and I double-checked this at the CDC website, and their main test, the expert MTBRIF, is something that they recommend as a good test for TB, although they do follow it up that since this is a rapid test, you should probably confirm your results with an actual culture. As far as who did these ultrasounds, it was a single emergency physician who was performing all of the FASH exams that were done for this paper. So let's shoot down to the results. What did they find? Well, they initially screened 556 patients and then they excluded 77 because either they didn't have HIV, they were already on meds, they had been in the ED for a long time, or they came in with complaints like Jacob had mentioned that were totally unrelated to possible TB. Then they excluded 55 more for a mysteriously described research-related problems or for some other issues. So they end up with 414 patients, um, just for an idea of what these patients looked like, about 40% of them ultimately had confirmed TB, median age of 36, and 52% had actually already had TB at some point in their life. About 47% of their patients were on antiretroviral therapy. Looking at their primary outcome, diagnostic accuracy of individual POCUS findings, they found that a FASH combined, so that means having at least one of any of those six findings, had a sensitivity of 73%, specificity of 54%. Not all that good. Secondary outcomes here, they did a little bit of statistical analysis here because instead of just trying to find the diagnostic accuracy of individual findings, they were also trying to find if this could be externally validated statistically. So when they looked at it that way, they found similarly there was a sensitivity around 70 and a specificity in the high 50s. Then they calculated a C statistic, which is basically just looking at the area under the curve. And they found for the FASH basic, it was about 0.6, FASH plus 0.59, and FASH combined 0.63. So the FASH combined had the best overall test characteristics, according to the ROC curve. 
Now, they also looked individually which of these findings had, were most predictive of having TB, and they calculated out some odds ratios for that. So intra-abdominal lymph nodes had an adjusted odds ratio of 3.7, ascites was 3, and pericardial effusion was 1.9. Now, what I was also interested to find was that when you start ramping up the number of findings you have, obviously it's going to be more specific. So for example, any two findings, now it's 91% specific, and that gives you a positive likelihood ratio of 3.7, and having greater than or equal to three findings on the FASH exam, now it's 93% specific and four 99% specific. That makes sense. If they're having all of these findings, there's gonna be an increased chance that they actually have the disease. The only other findings that I pulled out was they did a subgroup analysis of patients that were especially immunocompromised. So they looked at CD4 counts less than 100, and there was an increased sensitivity there, up to 82%, but the specificity didn't really change too much. So let's talk about some limitations. Uh, any issues you have with this study or this data? I mean, I don't have really like issues with it necessarily, uh, but just when you have any kind of single center study with like one person doing the ultrasound, it does bring up the idea of some external validation. Maybe at different hospitals, it'd be different. And maybe with different scanners, it'd be different. Of course, your diagnostic test is only as good as the person doing the diagnostic test. But traditionally, what I say about that is that just saying that it's like one single expert doesn't to me invalidate those results because ultrasound, I mean, I'm not a particularly like smart or technically agile guy, but I can do most of this ultrasound stuff with a little bit of practice. So saying that it's not externally valid because only one person's doing it is like saying, well, you can't interpret, you can't interpret EKG data because not everybody's an EKG expert. Like that may be the truth, but what you should do is really work on making sure that your technique is good. And then you should have numbers that are at least this good, but definitely a limitation to think about. I have a contention with what you said, because I think that you are an exceptionally agile guy. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Like we mentioned in the beginning, if your population doesn't have this degree of HIV and TB, then we have to remember you may not be able to have these same accuracies. Now, the authors take all this data and their conclusions is that it would be reasonable to start treatment for TB if you have at least two of these findings. Now, remember, that's a likelihood ratio of 3.7, specificity 91%. So definitely this is going to depend on your culture of practice, your practice environment. But I would err more towards the sides, maybe if you have more findings, like if you had at least four findings where you get your likelihood ratio up to seven, closer to that 10 that we actually want to see, that would be reasonable, again, depending on pretest probability. So let me summarize this study. This was a prospective trial in South Africa of 414 patients. They found the FASH exam was 73% sensitive, 54% specific, and having two, three, or four positives did get pretty specific up to 99%. And this was perhaps a little more sensitive when you look at populations with lower CD4 counts. Intra-abdominal lymph nodes was the most predictive sign among the POCUS findings with an odds ratio of 3.7.
the take-home points for this article is that the FASH exam is not sensitive enough to rule out tuberculosis in this population, but the findings of intra-abdominal lymphadenopathy, ascites, and pericardial fusions are predictive of TB in these HIV-positive patients. Definitely, we're going to need to see some more research to evaluate this in different populations and possibly with less expert users. Great job to this author group because this was really fascinating and is pushing the FASH more and more towards clinical usability in these settings. We thank you for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate you. And if you want to find out more or listen to more podcasts, you can go to ultrasoundgel.org. You can also visit our Facebook page or talk to us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, we'll talk to you later. Octopus with a snorkel, which is silly because... You know, it's ridiculous. Um, Octopuses are like my favorite cephalopods, so...